Welcome to Tech Suite, your go-to source for the latest legal updates on the fastest moving sector, brought to you by Minter Ellis and Rod Watts. I'm your host, Tom Marsland, a partner in our technology team. With me today is Gillian Service, a partner in our employment practice. Welcome, Gillian. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me along. In today's podcast, we're looking at generative AI in the workplace. How ready are you and your employees for this new tool and the opportunities and risks that it brings? Now, before we begin, please note that nothing we are discussing today is legal advice. So there are all manner of ways that AI can be used in the workplace. For example, we're all likely to have come across low-level chatbots as we navigate a business's website. ChatGPT hitting headlines at the end of 2022 meant that generative AI tools have become prominent in the public's consciousness. So for today's talk, we're going to focus on the impact that these new tools might have in the workplace using ChatGPT as an example. We're going to look at what are the risks and benefits of employees using AI to help them in their tasks, and what steps can employers take to set expectations around employees' use of these tools. So Gillian, welcome. It's great to have you here today to help us unravel some of the intricacies around AI and employees. It seems there must be a vast amount of uses for generative AI in the workplace. What are some that you've seen in action? There are lots of different uses, and some of them aren't that new, but ChatGPT, as you say, does bring the issue of AI to the forefront. Historically, they've been used, AI has been used for recruitment, mm-hmm. um, using, for example, to screen candidates through that first round of, say, just CV screening and making sure minimum skills are um, appearing on CVs for the particular role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also been used for uh, roles where there's, there's lots of data. Um, and you've got heavy data analysis as part of a role, and, and AI can absolutely help in that space, remove those those mundane tasks that you sometimes find. But I think the, the escalation or the elevation of the use really comes with the accessibility of ChatGPT mm-hmm. uh, as with the example of that sort of technology. Um, and it can certainly drive efficiencies. Um, it can free up time for employees to focus on strategic or more creative endeavours. It can certainly reduce manual errors. Mm. Um, and we humans are fallible, and so it is very helpful in, in that space. Although noting it too can make a lot of mistakes, as we're well, seeing with the early y- part of it of ChatGPT. That's a great point, and it's something that I want to come to, actually, mm. when we talk about uses of it and, yeah. and the risks that come with it, because the inaccuracies are there, mm. and um, that's one of the benefits of it being talked about openly mm. um, and the, the, the issue of the accuracy is well known. Yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I think one example that really starts to show how much more scope is available with what we're seeing with OpenAI and, and ChatGPT is there's tools now available that are AI driven, which can give, for example, on-demand coaching. Um, I've always thought of coaching as that very human interaction, person to person, where you know, you're know you reading off each other, with someone concerned about something, you're watching facial expressions, you're looking at body language. But actually, we're seeing now that um, particularly younger generations, they're, they're this... Um, AI-driven coaching tool that's available through one of the EAP providers, mm. um, that chatbot is getting more engagement from, from the, the younger audience who are actually more comfortable mm. engaging in that way mm. than, say, person-to-person, which would have been the far more traditional approach. That is a, it's a fascinating area, and this recording is going out in 4th of August 2023, and just recently Khan, Khan Academy, the online um, training and education suite has released a, a chatbot alongside Khan Academy called the Khan Migo or Amigo, 
Uh, and that is exactly there for that purpose. It sits alongside you to help you with getting to the answer. It doesn't answer the question for you. It guides you, nudges you towards it, just like a traditional coach would do. And can you imagine a world where you have your own tutor throughout your education or future career mm. who's just constantly there just to nudge you in the right direction as you go? It's quite an amazing opportunity going forward. Yeah, look, I think it's uh, good to call out the fact that it can change um, some some employment functions within a business Mm -hmm. Um, so if I think about um, typical businesses will need to think about how they set goals for their employees as part of um, the employee lifecycle planning and what what are your goals how are you going to develop Um, so actually tapping into your idea there about Amigo and the Mm. you know the the person nudging them along does that become automated Um, identifying areas for improvement for that for that person Um, or even identifying um, key employees for promotion or succession planning or leadership opportunities. Um, and that's an area that, again, we've come back to when we think about um, the risks that could be associated with that, because there, there certainly are risks, and so they, they need to be called out. On to risks then. So <laughs> it sounds like there are huge opportunities for the use of AI in the workplace, but alongside these benefits are the risks? Well, it's, I think the first thing is just balancing the risk and reward. And we've, you balance it by first calling out the fact that it exists. So there is there is risk there. And we've talked about one already, mm. which is the fact that it's not wholly accurate. Mm. Um, it's not always going to give you um, 100% of the answer. Uh, and when I think about um, just things like um, we've talked already around CV screening, we've mm. talked about the recruitment piece, we've talked about uh, promotion or succession or leadership opportunities, and uh, another piece that's well published about um, uh, AI is bias mm-hmm. and the inherent bias that can be uh, within the algorithms. Yeah. Uh, and so it is important to be aware of that because if you use a tool that is biased or you cannot demonstrate that it's not, mm. how can you answer the claim when it comes that says you didn't select me for this job or you didn't select me for this promotion because I am, mm. you know, insert any one of the um, categories on which it's prohibited to discriminate in New Zealand. You do need to make sure there is a, there is that overlay that checks. Mm. And if you can't be sure, then you shouldn't be using it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I think, a, one of the, the things to really call out. New Zealand has a, a special character as well. We have, obviously, Te Ao Māori here, where if you're taking a large language model or you're taking an AI product from outside of New Zealand, it has no contemplation of our special character. So not only do you have the traditional bias, male, female, etc., you actually now also have an additional bias which is not even known by the tool. So this is obviously something else that New Zealand companies might need to be aware of. Absolutely. And I think uh, when you look at public sector particularly, when I look at public sector workforces and the obligations that sit in that space, um, there, there is a, a greater awareness um, and a greater need and so there could be a greater disconnect with the tools that are available. Mm. Um, Interestingly um, DIA um, just put out um, guidance for their workers on how to use chat GPT Mm. and how not. (laughs) So it shows that even our government departments are thinking about this uh, and are using it and it's available to people Mm. uh, but uh, some guardrails are being appropriately put in place. Well, it's interesting, again, remembering we're in August 2023. Yes, that one from DIA has just come out. MB 
has banned use of ChatGPT and other, I think there's another government agency as well. And an additional agency has also come out and banned ChatGPT. Policies are very important to have if you've got ChatGPT in use or if you're choosing to, but it's interesting that some government departments are choosing just to blanketly rule it out as well. Mm. I think that goes to any employer needs to decide their risk profile in Mm. terms of how they operate on a whole manner of things, not just um, how their workforce um, operate and what tools their workforce may use. Mm. And so you're seeing there just a a level of risk appetite Mm. at the the conservative end of, of the spectrum. It'll be interesting to see if we're sitting in a year's time, bearing in mind, as you say, we're in August mm. 2023, uh, will that have changed? Okay, Gillian, um, what are some examples where an employee using an example of like ChatGPT could fall foul of local laws? A really good example, Tom, is with recruitment mm-hmm. and screening candidates for interview. And if you were using ChatGPT to screen a bunch of CVs and say taking people, particular people out, if if the AI has got an inbuilt bias in it, um, let's just take the example of age, mm-hmm. and they remove people from the process that are over a particular age because they're maybe looking for a particular qualification that didn't exist however many years ago, you could screen out a bunch of people purely on age, either directly or indirectly. Mm. Now, our legislation is really clear. Human Rights Act is really clear that um, you can't discriminate against somebody on the, on the basis of their age. Uh, and so that would be an example where you, you need to be checking mm. um, and you need to be comfortable if you're going to use that sort of tool that, that there aren't issues. Um, uh, so that's a, that, that would be a live example. That's on sort of the way into employment. Mm-hmm. Um, then in the Employment Relations Act, we've got uh, discrimination provisions, which very much mirror the Human Rights Act. Mm. Uh, the only difference is really around uh, that you can't have discrimination on the grounds of union membership that mm. exists in the Employment Relations Act but doesn't exist in the Human Rights Act. Right. Um, but again, so once you're in employment, once somebody's in employment, if you're using these tools for a particular reason that could um, fall foul and create a discriminatory outcome uh, because there's an inbuilt bias, then you're going to have a problem because mm. our, our law is really clear. Uh, you, you cannot discriminate on a series of prohibited grounds which are in both Human Rights Act and Employment Relations Act. Not in New Zealand. Uh, but that's not to say it's a uh, free reign mm-hmm. uh, because our existing laws are actually quite flexible and very adaptable. If you think about the the workplace over many years, our legislation has had to adapt and evolve as the ways of working have changed. Um, and our Privacy Act um, will be a relevant feature. Our Employment Relations Act, which I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. our Human Rights Act, Wages Protection Act, Minimum Wage Act. You know, equal pay, these are all pieces of legislation that an employer is going to have to make sure uh, they're not going to fall foul of the provisions if they're using technology that will produce a particular outcome that touch, that, that legislation touches. So the good news story is it sounds like New Zealand is well placed with its current legislation to at least deal with this early stage of ChatGPT and that's other right. generative AI. Yeah, I think that's right, yes. It's interesting you mentioned before, I want to come back to a point you made earlier around um, the use of ChatGPT and other generative AI tools to analyse a CV. As we touched on in previous podcasts, and listeners, go find this if you you haven't listened to this one before, um, when you insert data into, for analysis of ChatGPT, for example, 
that data is obviously being taken somewhere for processing. So presumably, not only do people need to worry about the output of the investigative AI or generative AI process, but the ingestion of the data, personal information is going somewhere. So the Privacy Act is really important as well. Correct. So if you're going to use ChatGPT or a similar tool that is open source uh, for, for example, CV screening, if you think about how much personal information is in a CV, Mm. you're going to need the person's consent Mm. for the use of that tool as part of your process. So if you think about your recruitment process, um, that really means you need to be saying to candidates up front as part of submitting your CV to this process, please know we utilize this tool. Mm. Uh, and by submitting, you consent to us using this tool. Mm. And that's going to be, I think, a, an area where if you're not thinking carefully about it and you're just thinking about the efficiencies that you could get out of it, mm. um, then you're going to have a problem as an employer. So you do need to think really carefully and put people on fair notice of uh, what you're using it for mm. because of the consequences that you've just identified. Do you think it would be fair for a candidate to also require a secondary approach so that you can't use a generative AI tool to analyse their CV? You need to be prepared to be open and ready for scrutiny and challenge Mm -hmm. because using that tool without notifying and being open about it is a problem. If if you get consent, then you're typically under the Privacy Act. If you have consent, then you're okay. Mm. Uh, But if you don't, problems will arise. So my key point is you you need agreement. Mm. Um, And so you need to set up the rules of engagement at the beginning. Mm. And I think that applies regardless. Um, And depending on the scenario, you may not get it. And Mm. and the scenario you talk about Mm. is a scenario where you may likely not get that consent to be able to um, input that sort of data into a system that could see the information Mm. go. So then reaching beyond that one, are you discriminating against a potential employee by not letting but if they choose not to or they for their own personal reasons will not submit their CV into a into an AI tool are they being discriminated against by virtue of you not allowing another means I've always thought about this issue as you, you have to have the same process for all mm-hmm. um, to create fairness but actually what you've identified is a scenario where if you give the end user the choice, then you have a different approach. Mm. And if you've got a different approach, how can that be seen to be fair? Because mm. some of it's more about perception than reality as well. That's that's another issue. Mm. But if you don't have an even-handed approach, then that is the gateway into issues. Mm. And so even giving someone the choice, I think, creates a problem. And so that then begs the question, if it's likely one person would say no, mm. then you're not using that technology to screen candidates to start your recruitment round. Mm, interesting. Gillian, mm. we've talked a lot about the use of this type of technology in the recruitment process. What about the use of the technology and the implications for employees and employers once they're, once an employee is in employment? We've actually got some case law, uh, not around ChatGPT or AI, but around another type of technology um, uh, and tool that employers use 
And that case law is really clear that the use of those tools is problematic if you can't look behind them as an employer and justify the output of it. Now, that's a case that involved the use of psychometric testing as part of selecting and, well, triaging a large number of employees uh, into a restructuring process. So working with you know, big numbers of 150 to get down to maybe 50 to then select mm. and go through interviewing processes to decide who's going to be staying and going. Um, and the court was really clear that if as an employer you're choosing to use a tool that could ultimately decide the future of someone's employment mm. and that future is that they end up being made redundant, uh, you're going to struggle to justify the dismissal because the person at the receiving end of the decision who loses their job mm. cannot interrogate the uh, methodology of the tool mm. and it becomes very hard for the employer to be able to say, well, I can justify my decision because it was mm. my decision. Actually, it wasn't because part of that decision was outsourced to a tool. <laughs> so I can see that case, whilst it was based around psychometric testing as a, as a tool, um, I can see that case being equally useful now um, when it comes to chat GPT and these types of um, open AI and generative AI mm. in the workplace for a, a restructuring sort of situation. Mm. So you mentioned earlier, do we have laws that are going to respond? Yes, we've got the legislation that I've mentioned already, mm. but we've also got some case law, which people need to be aware of too. Mm. How do you see employers being able to harness that potential of generative AI without falling into the traps that we've just talked about? Really good question. The main point for people to take away is to front foot the use of these tools and have open communications about it. Um, the reality is, if not already, many of your employees will be using it tomorrow, next week, and the week after. Uh, but I would hazard a guess that most have already been playing around with it and using it. So front foot it and get ahead of it. What else do they do? Uh, what about policies? Yeah, so that's actually a big part of front-footing it um, and, that, and being able to have open communications about it and mm -hmm. having a, you know, a set of guardrails um, to have in place for employees is really useful so that uh, an employer can set the expectations early with um, ChatGPT as the example. Information you're putting in there, you don't know where it goes. Mm. You have no control of where it goes. And I think that's the key thing for employers to be mindful of if they are going to be saying to employees yes you can use this as part of your role because as an employer you then need to think about well what are they putting into that mm. um, you certainly want some strong guardrails around company confidential information anything that could be a breach of the privacy act and your people's personal information yep. so that's got to be really carefully thought about mm. and and have a conversation to make sure people understand what's okay and what's not this is such a fast-moving area of technological advancement i'm assuming that companies should constantly review and renew their policies as well oh absolutely um any policy in the workplace should never be set and forget. Well, it's even hard to know what to put in one of those policies, Tom, because everything is moving so quickly. Um, you should but... get ChatGPT to write it. Well, I understand you've already tried that, Tom. What was the output? <laughs> it's actually fantastic what it can, it can achieve. I mean, GPT 3.5 comes up with a pretty decent one. GPT 4 is almost spot on. Um, and that's a policy across the board. Uh, again, so many people putting content into this, you're getting a lot of content out. So coming back and echoing your point before, what goes in, you don't know where it's going and can and can be potentially used to generate future outputs for another person. So mm. really important. But yeah, 
Back to well, the and, and again, that goes back to that accuracy piece as well. So mm. if you are using um, ChatGPT to create your ChatGPT workplace policy, mm. you're certainly going to want to look at it for accuracy. You're, mm. We talked about the regulatory and legislative piece, but you're also going to want to actually check it to see if it fits. Because yeah. a lot of um, an employer's policies fit around their culture, their values. And so to what extent do you want to keep that to yourself, not mm. share it with AI um, and mm. actually have control of that yourself? So. There's definitely a balance to be struck, I would say. How might companies think about the, their vicarious liability? Well, I suppose the starting point is just to remind everyone of what that is. Mm. Um, so an employer is vicariously liable, so they are liable for the actions of their employees if what the employee is doing is within the scope and, and realm of their duties. Mm. And if an employee is authorised to use AI but mm. is using it badly uh, and when I say badly, it could be in a negligent fashion, mm. it could be in a nefarious fashion. Um, but if it is in any way as part of the role and being authorised as part of the role, then the employer's got to be mindful that that output mm. um, is the output of the employee because the employee has asked the tool, just remember, it is just a tool, mm. uh, they've asked the tool to give them a, a, an output that they've then utilised in mm. the workplace. So there's, there's definitely... Um, uh, not going to be, I think, any excuse for an employer to be able to say it wasn't me, it was the robot. I mean, an example that we've been talking about earlier is around somebody doing some marketing or creating some documentation at a bank. How, you know, how confident could we be that that ChatGPT would navigate all disclosure requirements, for example? Mm, well, I think that's, I wouldn't feel confident. No. When you think about the obligations, the risk and the liability, if it's wrong, mm. um, Yes, these tools are going to be used, but again, it's a tool. You've got to have that overlay. You've got to have the checking. Mm. Um, and you've got to have that done by someone who knows the local environment, who knows the local laws. So I think that example you've used is, is a good one of uh, that emphasises how it is a tool, mm. but it's not the ultimate answer. It's just something that might help you get to that. You really do need to have that overlay of someone checking because the mm. risk is too high otherwise. Gillian, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. But before we sign off, if you were to leave listeners with three key points, what would they be? First would be that the point I just left off on, mm. it's a tool. It's a tool that people can use, which can be useful. But if you are going to allow people to use it, you need to think about the local laws that we have here that are going to... Uh, be important in terms of your compliance, mm. whether that be the example that you used of the banking regulations or whether that be actually employment laws if you're using it in the HR space to, um, as part of your H HR practices. Mm. Um, so it's a tool, number one, beware of your local laws, number two. Um, and number three, you, you really want to get ahead of this and have an open conversation with your employees about how it should or shouldn't be used to put mm -hmm. the guardrails in place because you certainly can't ignore it. It's here. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, and so get ahead of it and have that open conversation with your employees about how you want to see it used or not used as the case may be. And continue that conversation throughout the immediate future because this thing is not stopped at this point. Jillian, thanks so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review, or follow the Tech Suite wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to receive new technology updates directly to your inbox via our website at minterallisonrudwatts.co.nz.